Leaning isn't a bad thing, as long as we're leaning on the right one. So let's take some time today to learn about how should we lean. So our first point this morning is how David's support system is developed. And this is fascinating to see how that happens. Because up to this point in, in David's life, David has done the right thing in every aspect. He's an absolute model of faith, courage, obedience, integrity, and devotion to God and to his king. But he's still a very young man and he's living, you know, he's got a long way to go. He's a long way from his home, he's a long way from his family. And David needs some stability in his life. So God, in his grace, placed some things and some people in David's life to be a support system around him. So let me share a few of these support systems with you. First of all, David leaned on the support of his position. Because here he is, he's a humble shepherd boy, but he's been promoted to captain over a thousand in Saul's army. So all of a sudden he has a great position. He's also chief musician in Saul's court, and, and this work gives him some, some great stability in his life. And he needed that, and he leaned on that. And of course, David probably saw his, his advancements in the army and in Saul's court merely as stepping stones to him becoming king because he knew he was the anointed, the next king of Israel. So he leaned on the support of his position. He also leaned on the support of his popularity. The people of Israel, they loved David. They really loved him. And they respected him for what he'd done and how he conducted himself before them. So David, David he leaned on the support of the people around about him. And no doubt, the, the praise of the people was just another assurance to him, yes, I am going to be their king one day soon. So he leaned on support of popularity. He leaned on support of, of specific people as well, because God had put some very special people in David's life during those difficult days. First of all, there was his, his wife, Michelle. David was given a woman who genuinely loved him. Now that's a precious thing for any man to have. And no doubt, David drew great strength by leaning on the support of his wife's love for him. He also was able to lean on the support of Prince Jonathan. Jonathan pr proved to be a faithful friend to young David. He was in David's eyes, you know, he was David's eyes and ears in, in the throne room itself. Now when Saul was planning and hatching a plot to do something to David, Jonathan, his friend, would share that information with David and help rescue him. He even placed David's friendship higher than his allegiance to his own father. And it's amazing to think about. And remember, Jonathan should have been the next king. He's the next one in line from the family tree point of view. But he knows David's going to be the next king. So David often lead on the support of his friend Jonathan. And then there is the prophet Samuel too. That old prophet, he supported, he was a great support in the life of David. Samuel taught David about sacrifice, service, worship. He was a significant support to King David in the early days before he became king. So we see what David had to, to, to lean on here. Position, popularity, people, and also, of course, the support of pride. David leaned on that too. David took pride in the life he lived. He knew how to carry himself. He knew how to carry himself in front of men. And the army, he knew how to do that sort of thing. He probably placed great emphasis on doing the right thing. He had self-respect, he had self-control, he had self-esteem. What a man he is. And his pride was a crucial part of his support system. 
And I think nothing wrong with the right kind of pride. I want to stop here for a moment. We're talking about David so far, but I want to talk about you. You actually ought to stop and thank God for all the supports that you have in your life. Can you think of some for a moment? Can you thank God for the support system He's placed around about you? Stop and think about where you would be and what you would do without the people and the props that God has to you. I'd be nowhere without the love of my spouse. My beautiful wife, Elwyn. How precious she is to me. She supports me endlessly. I need the support of my spouse. And the encouragement of friends. Our friends encourage one another constantly. You encourage me constantly. And the fellowship and the encouragement we have of being part of a church together. I mean, the sign out the front says the friendly church. Now we're friends together. We're family together. We need one another. God has put us here in this place amongst these people to receive support. And we have guidance and direction given to us from the Word of God. So where would you be without the benefit of all of these safety nets that God has placed in your life? So you ought to thank God. Thank God for all the props, all the crutches, all the supports, whatever you want to call them, that God has placed in your life to help us. God's been gracious to us. And He supplied us with an adequate support network every day of our life. How amazing is our God? How good is our God to each one of us? We have a support system. David had a support system. But now I want to turn to the other side of the coin. We've seen David's support system built up. My second point is David's support system is dismantled. That happens. There was a process of dismantling. David's support system was in place, but it wasn't going to last for very long. God allowed a whole series of events, events to take place in David's life that destroyed and removed every single prop he had in his support system. One day David was on top of the world, and the next day is at the bottom. David became a man who was hunted by his enemies, haunted by death, and hounded by destruction. David's own estimation of his troubles is found in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. He says, there's only one step between me and death. He was having a chat with his friend Jonathan. He said, there's one step between me and death. He knew how close he was to the edge. His life could be finished at any moment. He's one step away from it. So God's become, begun a process of systematically dismantling every piece of support that David had. Think of it for a moment. David lost his position. He was the captain of Israel's army, the greatest battlefield history in the nation's history, and now he's become a fugitive from the king. That prop of his position has been taken away. David also lost his popularity because in, as one who was removed from the public eye, you can assume that very soon he's relegated to memory. I mean, how, how quick does that happen? You know, if I'm not going to be here next week, you'll say the week after, oh, sad to see Martin gone, and the week thereafter, you go, oh, who's the next bloke? Sorry, that's the way it works. It really does. Human beings are like that. When you're removed from public eye, you're relegated to memory very soon. But people probably assume that Saul's been successful in his attempts on David's life. So David, there's another prep, a prop that's been removed from David. And David lost his people too. Every person upon which David leaned was taken away from him. Michelle, his wife, was removed from him. 
First of all, she helps David escape because she knows that, that uh, Saul, her father, is going to wants to kill David. She hears of the plot and she helps David escape. And then she lies to her father and says, well, I had to help him escape because he said he was going to kill me. Well, he didn't. That's not what he said. But he, that's what she said. So she deliberately, she walks away from David and their, their relationship's never going to be harmonious again. So there's a support taken away. Jonathan, his best friend, is removed from David. Jonathan goes as far as he can to protect David and in the end, Jonathan has to send David away. He says, go away from me for his own safety. He has to do that. And there's a tearful parting of these two close friends and they meet, they meet no more as friends in this life. That's a support removed from David's life. Samuel, the old prophet, he was removed because David escapes and he goes to, to visit with his old friend and mentor and the prophet Samuel. But eventually David has to flee from the presence of Samuel because of the relentless pursuit of King Saul. There's another one of his supports, gone. And then David even lost his pride because here in the story which Helen read for us this morning, David has reached the bottom of the bottom. The last support system in his life is torn away and he reaches the lowest point in his life. He goes to the palace of King Achish, who is the king of the Philistines. What's going on here? He has to go to his enemies to try and find a friend. David's the one who slaughters Philistines, who cuts off foreskins and all that sort of fun stuff and kills giants. That's who David is. And now he has to go to those people to seek a place of asylum. Well, they probably wanted to put him in an asylum, actually, when you think about you know, his reactions there. How the mighty have fallen. This last, last crutch, the last prop in David's support system has been systematically dismantled by the Lord. David reaches rock bottom and he has nothing left. Every dream, every goal, every hope has been, has been dashed to pieces at David's feet. He has nothing. He has no one upon whom he can lean. He's alone. He's frightened. He's alienated. God has brought David from the top to the very bottom of life. Why? Why would he do that? What is the purpose of the dismantling? Why did God do this to David? Why did God so afflict a man after his own heart? Remember, David is the man after God's own heart. God loved him so much. And you yep, took everything away from him. Well, God did this to David so that David could learn to lean on the Lord and not on all the other props he'd constructed in his life. He had to teach David a great truth that God's people should lean on one only, and that is God. So God systematically removes one support after the other from under David until he has been taught to lean completely on the Lord. So far, I've been talking again about David. We need to hear this truth because all the way through life, we lean on one thing or another, one person or another person. You now we, we trust and look to our parents when we were growing up. And later on, we trust our teachers and we trust our friends. And then we get married and we trust our spouse if we're blessed in that way. Or we get a great job and we lean on a pile of money somewhere. We lean on this crutch and that prop and we forget a couple of very important truths. First of all, our support system can develop to a place where it can take the place of God in our lives. 
And that's a problem when that happens. So I want to ask you a question. What are you depending on today? Who are you depending on today? Do you ever find yourself trusting in people, things, and self more than you trust in the Lord? Be honest. Because our support system can prevent us from looking up for the help that we need. Our focus needs to be vertical, not horizontal. It's important we understand that. Nothing cripples our walk of faith any more than all the earthly human crutches upon which we lean. And these crutches, they cause us to, do, to, to, to look at what we can do for ourselves or what others can do for us. And in the end, I promise you, all those props will fail. Every single one of them. Our gaze needs to be cast heavenward. When we lean on the unfailing prop of God himself, we can be sure that he'll always come through. I was amazed when I was early in my Christian walk. The, the fellow that was discipling me, he uh, took a group of young businessmen to India and they preached the gospel and they laid their hands on the sick and they saw blind people you know, receive their sight. They saw cripples walk. You know, they, they, it was just like the book of Acts. Why is that? Why could they go to these poor people who've got nothing and see miracles take place left, right and centre? When here, we pray the same prayers and yet there are times, yes, when God blesses us and we see amazing things happen. I'll tell you what. The poor have nothing except for the truth of the gospel. They hear the word, they come in faith and they trust completely and utterly in God. And they see things happen. We, on the other hand, we trust in all the stuff we've got around about us. We've got so many crutches we can lean on apart from God. And it stops us often walking in true faith. There's a difference there. Because our supports prevent us from looking to God. Our supports prevent us trusting in God alone. And we need to understand that our support system is temporary at best. Because every plank in my support system can fail and will fail unless we learn to lean only upon God. He will never fail us. Jesus says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Well, is he or isn't he? He is, isn't he? He said so. He promised. But why do we turn to other things and other people constantly? Do we really believe it? We say so, but is it really in our hearts? This is not an easy truth to take. But when the Lord finds us leaning on everything else instead of on him, he will begin the painful process of dismantling our support system one prop at a time. And believe me, brothers and sisters, he does not do this to harm us. God does not want to harm you, but he wants to help us to lean on him and to lean on him alone. Now, how do I know that this was effective for, king, for David before he became the king? Would you turn with me to Psalm 34? It's important that we look at Psalm 34. This is a Psalm of David. Psalm 34. There's a little bit under the title of Psalm 34. It says, Of David, when he pretended to be insane, or Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So this is Psalm 34. Did David learn the lesson after all of his supports were taken away from him? Did he actually learn to lead upon the Lord and the Lord only? I think he did. Because as, as the metal of David's life was tempered in the furnace of affliction and, and shaped upon this anvil of providence, David learned to lean completely on the Lord. And he writes about this process in Psalm 34. 
it shows us clearly that David's focus has been turned towards God in heaven. Now notice how David learned to lean on the one true God. Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3. David says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. So David has learned here how to lean on the Lord by praising Him. The focus of David's praise has been shifted higher than position, higher than popularity, higher than people, higher than pride itself. David has learned to lean on the praising of God. Psalm 86 verse 10 says, For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. You hear what the word's saying? He alone is God. Nowhere else is there God. Let's hear from David again. Verses 4 to 7. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. So here David has learned to lean on the Lord's protection. Instead of running to Jonathan, Michelle, his wife, or Samuel the prophet and try to find some protection, David has learned the lesson that God is the one God who protects his people. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Who's going to protect you? The Lord's going to protect you. That's who's going to protect you. And David learnt that lesson. What else did he learn? Well, he learned to lean on the Lord's provision as well. Verses 8 to 10. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So here he's learnt how to lean on the Lord's provision. He doesn't need the kindness of others or the bread of the tabernacle anymore. He's learned to lean on, it with, on, on the open hand of the Heavenly Father for the provisions of life. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. Who's going to provide for us? The Lord is going to provide for us. What else has David learnt? Well, he's learnt to lean on the Lord's promises. Verses 11 to 17. Come, my children, listen to me, says David. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and, and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. What David has learnt here is to lean on the Lord's promises. David has learnt that the promises of men don't amount to much. He's learnt that those, who, that those who learn to lean on the hand of the Lord, they will see the promises of God fulfilled in their lives. That's exciting, isn't it? Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Brothers and sisters, we have a book full of the promises of the Lord. Let's learn to lean on them. What else did David learn? 
Well, he learned to lean on the Lord's presence. Have a look at verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So here he's learned to lean on the Lord's presence. The other props in David's life have failed just when he needs them most. And he's learned to, to lean. He has learned that those who lean on the Lord are never without a faithful friend. As it says in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 24, a man of many friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we know who that friend is. His name is Jesus. He sticks closer. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That is a promise, brothers and sisters, we can depend upon. It's written in the Word. It's eternal. And it belongs to each one of us. David learned a little more still. Verses 19 to 22, he's learned to lean on the Lord's preservation. Let me read them for you. A righteous man may have many troubles. There you go. A righteous man. Now, are we not the righteousness of God in Christ? We may have many troubles, it says, okay? A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Bad luck, Crooksy. <laughs> Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. So here David has learned to lean on the Lord's preservation. Because in the end, not a single crutch that David leaned on so heavily was able to secure him or to protect him. He's learned this priceless eternal truth that God and God alone preserves his people. It says in Psalm 61, it says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Who is that rock? Jesus. You got it. Okay. So you see the New Testament's here contained in the Old Testament, right? We know who the rock is. We know who we can lean on. We know about the one who can provide for us. His name is Jesus. Oh, for goodness sakes. Let's learn the lesson, brothers and sisters. David learned it the hard way. God will love you so much. He loves you as his children. And I discipline my children, and they do not like it when I discipline. God also disciplines me. I'm one of his children. And I don't like being disciplined, but he loves me. And because he loves me, he will discipline me. And because of that, he will take away the props that I lean on in my life until I learn to lean on him and on him alone. He does not do that to hurt me. I do not discipline my children because I want to hurt them, ever. I do it because I love them. And I want to lead them on the right path. God does exactly the same for me. And this, this whole leaning business, it, it really hits pretty close to home for me because there are plenty of times in my life when I find I've been leaning on, a, leaning on a person or leaning on a thing rather than on God. So how about you? I've also found in my life that when I learn to lean on God rather than things in my life, things turn out completely different. God's perspective changes. But if I'm not doing that, God will systematically and very painfully remove the crutches that I'm leaning on. He'll bring me to a place where I'm leaning on Him and leaning on Him alone. That's the place He plans to bring each one of us. When you look back at your life, you see the journey that you've been on. When I was pastor in another church, I was working so hard and I thought I was doing so well and I was leaning on all the stuff that I thought I was doing so well and working so hard with. I wasn't leaning on God. And now I, when I look back at, my, at what, all the things that happened to me elsewhere, I'm like, ah, the Lord was just taking away another crutch that I was leaning on. I didn't even know I was leaning on it. 
told him, lean on him. And he restored me. And he rebuilt me. And my, my, whole, you know, my whole nature is being renewed by God. My mental capacities are being renewed by him. The, the, the depression which got onto me, it's not there. God allowed me to go through all of that so I could be set free. He loved me. How good is he? When God dismantles our support system, it can be painful. But we shouldn't fear what the Lord is doing in our lives. He's growing us. He's teaching us all that we need. He is all-sufficient. He is the great I am. I am what? I am whatever you need me to be. That's who he is. He's God. He's more than enough. He's God Almighty. He will never fail you. He'll never let you down. And he wants us to learn this truth. When we have him, when we have God, we have all the support system that we need. Psalm 46. Have a look at Psalm 46. If you've got your Bible open to Psalms, Psalm 46, verses 1 and 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help. How often is he present? He is an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Do you hear what it says in the Bible? God is our refuge. God is our strength. That is the lesson that David learnt. Learn from David. Depend on God. Number one, and only number one. Always look at rule two, which says look at rule one. Depend on God. Simple as that. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that we can look at the lessons of a madman and see what he learnt and recognize how you are working in our lives as well. And we will acknowledge, Father, that being, uh, being your students, being taught by you, being loved by you is painful at times for us from our perspective. But help us, Father, to have your perspective on things and to truly repent, to truly turn away from the things of this world and depend on you and you only so that we might have that same relationship that Jesus had with you, Father, where he says, I only ever do what I see the Father doing. And the, the ministry of Jesus is just so huge, enormous, wonderful, powerful. We want to be like that because we are your children as well. So, Father, help us to, to walk close to you, to trust in you only, and to turn away from the things of this world, as Christian people ought to do. May that be for your, for your glory, we pray. May we experience more of your grace, we ask, in Jesus' name.